This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 431. Non-essentialism only has one real defect, and it's a, that's that it's a lie. The idea that you can do everything for everyone at all times, and that will lead to success. <laughs> everything about it is not right. Everything about that equation isn't valid. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with a phenomenal show with my co-host, Mr. David Green. David, that was, we just got finished recording. And that was crazy and kind of humiliating, but kind of, <laughs> kind of amazing. So it was humiliating for you. It was awesome for me to be a fly <laughs> on the wall, watching you be tortured by this guest. Tortured. If, if anybody wants to see Brandon squirm, you got to watch mm, this one on YouTube. Mm, tortured. I was just glad when I pulled my phone up, it wasn't as bad as I thought. That's all I'm going to say is I felt a little vindicated right then. So, uh, and then kind of a cool surprise came at the very, very end of the show. That was very fitting. So hang tight for the whole show. You guys are going to love it. Uh, but before we get to that, Let's talk about today's quick tip. David, I'm going to give you today's quick tip ability. What you got? Well, this is very similar to one that we just talked about recently when we gave our take time to think challenge. So when we yes. interviewed Nir, he spoke about what's- You don't want to try the last name? Uh, you don't want to try the last uh, name? Y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. It was something like that, right? Something like that. Sure. Yeah. What was the yeah, name of the- Indistractable. Well, indistractable. Indistractable, yes. We, and by the way, I've gotten rave reviews on that podcast. Everybody yeah. really, really liked it. He spoke about finding ways to focus on what really matters. And today's episode is in that same yeah. vein. So Brandon and I issued the Take Time to Think Challenge because what we want the listeners who are, um, in, in some degree, we're all struggling with how we can move our businesses forward, or our goals forward. Nobody's yeah. completely oblivious to that struggle. But take time to think about where you're trying to go and what you can do to fix it. So if you haven't done the Take Time to Think Challenge, do so today. When this podcast is done, let yourself think about what is essential in my life, what would make my life look the way I want it to look or make me feel the way that I want to feel, and start thinking about things that you yourself can eliminate to make that happen. The, the, today's guest made amazing points, but one of the biggest one is we're always tempted to do more, but usually the answer is cutting out things that we're already doing that we shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Really good point. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rental retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Hold on, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. 
With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners' capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Now it's time to bring in Greg, Greg McKeon. I hope I'm saying his name right. Am I butchering that? I tend to butcher everyone's last name. McKeon, I think that's it, McKeon. We're gonna go with that, Greg McKeon. Uh, He wrote a book called Essentialism and it is one of my favorite books of all time. I love it. I've read it numerous, numerous times. And it's so important. So here's what the show is for. It's for anybody who feels like maybe you are overworked, you uh, there's not enough time in the day or in the week that you feel like you get distracted too easily using like social media or anything like that. You feel like there's a lot of different types of maybe business or real estate investing you want to get into and you can't really choose which is the right one. Uh, and for anybody who just feels like their life is not exactly the way they want it to be. So that's what this show is for. Uh, and again, pick up a copy of Essentialism. It's just awesome. But uh, that's our interview. And like like we said earlier, uh, Greg puts me in the hot seat at some point for the last like the last third of this show. And it is uh, it is humorous and humiliating. It'll be great. So check out the show and then make sure you stick around for the outro where Brandon and I are going to break down specifically how this uh, this material would apply to real estate investing and business in general. There we go. All right, without further ado, let's get to the interview with Greg McKeon. All right, Greg, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, man. It's it's a huge honor to have you on the show today. It's great to be with you, Brandon. Thank you. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, the, you know, it's before we started recording, I think I've read your book 10 times now. It's one of those books that I revisit. There's like a handful of books in my life whenever I'm in a, a spot where I'm like, I need to be reminded of this or to get back in that mode. Uh, Essentialism was one of those books for me, is one of those books for me. And they got, you know, 
the highlighted and underlined and everything here. So I'm excited today to dig into this thing. So why don't we start? Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, you, I felt you, the breath coming. No, you, you're the you're the pro, man. You you need you need to do this podcast. I'm going to listen while you do it because you, you, you you're a master at this. Well, it's funny actually. I was I was uh, I've been doing a lot of like not speaking. Well, yeah, I guess you call it speaking like podcasts or other shows lately, and and uh, I, I realized a lot of my like things I'm talking about on when I'm doing other people's shows. I'm like, oh man, I got that from essentialism. Oh yeah. I pulled that story <laughs> over here. So I'm just pretty much stealing everything from you anyway. So we're, well, we're I'm, okay. I'm glad to hear that it's been relevant for you and that it's been useful. And, uh, and, and uh, that's always, that's always an honor for me. Yeah. Well, good. Well, well, let's get into it. So what is, for those who have not read the book yet, what is essentialism? What does that mean? It's a way of thinking that you focus and figure out what is essential and you eliminate everything you can that is non-essential uh, and then create a system to make it as effortless and easy as possible to do what really matters most. So that's three things, explore, eliminate, and execute. That's essentialism. So it's not productivity. I think there's, a, there's a often belief that's like, oh, it just means get more, get more stuff done. No, that's the distinction exactly, is that productivity is about getting more stuff done. Like you're in a coal mine, you're trying to you know, shift as much coal from point A to point B, get it out. I don't think of essentialism really as productivity in that sense uh, at all. It's, uh, you know, essentialism's not about doing more stuff. It's about doing more of the right stuff. Yeah. And that distinctions everything because going back to the coal mine, it's like waking up and discovering, my goodness, we've been in a, a diamond mine this whole time. Uh, it's how do you find the diamonds so that you can, you know, harvest that instead of, uh, it, instead of just more is better. Yeah, we we have this analogy we use all the time here on the show about building too many bridges. If you're like on one island over here, like Reality Island, and you have Success Island, you got to build a bridge to get there, whatever that is in life, right? Whether it's financial success or whatever. And so many people are building way too many bridges. I mean, there's a time I was trying yeah, to sell. Like it. Yeah, it's crazy how many people build these bridges. Yeah, you exactly. They aren't over to where they want to be. And so they just think, oh, I'll do another one. Yep. I'll do another one. I'll do another one. They keep starting more and more things and they're making a millimeter progress in a million different directions around that island, yeah. uh, expecting somehow to get to the next place. And it, it just doesn't work that way. So I'm, I'm with you. You ever go to a carnival where they have those... Uh and hopefully I didn't steal this uh, analogy from you, but, but <laughs> metaphor. But uh, I don't know where I got it originally. Maybe I made it up. We'll, we'll assume that I made it up. But you ever- He's got priors for this, Greg. <laughs> don't worry. He's got a rap sheet a mile long when it comes no, to man. stealing ideas. Uh, no, no. Borrowing, borrowing. Uh, you ever, you, the carnival where like you have a, like a dozen people lined up and they all have these little squirt guns and everyone has their own target to shoot at a, a, this, this little like you know, round red target, like a, you know, target logo. Right. And if you shoot in the middle of it, your little like horse moves across the thing. Have you guys seen that before? Am I just crazy? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's in chapter 14. <laughs> Did it really? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Geez, was- oh, that was so good. <laughs> I was like, no. Uh, anyway. Okay. Good. I have seen that. You before, have seen- okay. Right. I, so- I won one of those when I was like seven years old with Did my you? grandpa. I still remember the little frog toy that I there wanted to do. That's yeah, funny. It was very cool. Okay, good. So I'm glad. Okay. So the idea that I've always used in my head now is even like the, the bridge thing. I like that metaphor, but I like this idea of you have one squirt gun. Like it's all you have. You can shoot out a certain amount of water out of your gun at one time. And so when there's like 10 targets, like you shoot the top one, then the next one down, next one down, next one down. Next, you know, that the little horse moves across so slowly. But if you just pick one target and just hold on to that thing, that thing moves a whole lot quicker. Now, we all know this stuff intuitively. Like, I don't think anybody listening to the show right now is going, what? I'm doing too many things. So my question for you, Greg, is why? 
is this so difficult? Like you've talked to a lot of people about this over the years. Why does everybody have this problem? And it's such a big one. Well, first of all, basically essentialism is addressing a problem that you don't normally think of as a problem. And that is success. So Mm -hmm. most of what's been written about in the, in the success literature and research is about how to become successful. Very little has been written about what you do once you are successful. And essentialism is in that, I think, rarer category. What happens if you have too many options and opportunities to be able to do them all? And that sounds like a nice problem to have, and it is, but it doesn't make it less of a problem. And so what my observation is, is that even when people don't exactly feel successful, we are all living in an age of the undisciplined pursuit of more because there's so much success that's happened. So whether you know whether you wake up this morning going, oh, I feel great, feel successful, that's not the point I'm making. But do you have a lot of options? Do you have a lot of choices? The answer is yes to almost everybody. Um, and, and certainly everybody that's at least able to get online. You can learn anything. You can, you can connect and contact far vast numbers of people compared to how it was before. And so that's, that is the, that's the challenge we're up against. That's the sea change that's taken place over, uh, you know, it depends how you want to date it, but from the industrial revolution, that was a tremendous increase in options and opportunities. But then even over the last 10 years, as we've gone from being connected to hyper-connected, there are these, um, these big shifts in the number of options and opportunities and choices that we will have. We want that problem, but we haven't yet developed the skills to manage that positive problem. That's what I think makes it so hard, is that, is that we're unprepared for the exponential increase of choices and options that have come our way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what's your background in this? I mean, how did you, is this something you were just one day woke up, you're like, man, I'm way too busy. I got to figure this out. You know, how, how did this become like your, your life? I don't know if life mission is too strong of a word here, but how does this become your thing? Well, one of the things that happened to me was on a a personal basis when I got an email from uh, my boss at the time and said, look, Friday between one and two would be a very bad time for your wife to have a baby because I need to be at this client meeting. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure they were, you know, at least semi-joking about that. But as it turns out, we are in the hospital um, Friday, uh, Thursday night and then into a daughter's born in the early hours. And there we are Friday still, of course, just barely in recovery and instead of being focused, present on that clearly essential moment, uh, I'm feeling pulled in, you know, I've got my laptop open. I'm trying to, how do I navigate all the different competing um, demands on my time, all the options, all the choices. And to my shame, I go to the meeting. And I remember even after the meeting, uh, as we were driving back, um, I, my boss said, look, you know, the client will respect you for the choice you just made. And the look on their faces, I don't remember evincing that sort of confidence. Uh, but even if that was right, it was clear to me in hindsight that I'd made a fool's bargain, that I had violated something more essential for something far less essential. And what I learned from all of that was a simple lesson, which was if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that's true for a lot of people. Uh, today, and, and whether you know that's 
whether it's just because you're in a Zoom, uh, eat, sleep, repeat type of model where you're in a groundhog day and everything's the same and you just got all this digital distraction and incoming meetings and you know that would be maybe the the the, the present circumstance version of this uh, but in the end you've got to take control of the prioritization of your life this is what this is one of the key stories behind why i wrote essentialism so what are some symptoms that someone could recognize when they're not in control of prioritizing their own life yeah i mean i think somebody could just simply ask look have you have you ever felt stretched too thin at work or at home which of course now is often the same thing um have you ever felt uh, busy but not productive uh, have you ever felt like someone was constantly hijacking your day with their agenda mm. I mean, those, those to me are, are questions that people can ask to quickly as ascertain like whether they are in charge of it or whether other people are in charge of their life. Yeah, that's really good. It makes me think about uh, in a business, when you first start, like let's take my business, for example, I'm a real estate broker. Your goal in the beginning is I got to find clients. You just run around trying to find as many of them as you can. And you get a couple of clients and now you have to service all of these clients. You have a million different tasks, maybe not a million, but many different tasks that you're doing for them. And at a certain point, you lose control of your own schedule and your own life because your phone is ringing and demands are coming in and you're trying to keep up with this crazy monster that you built. And at that point, you start <laughs> desperately looking for help. How do I get someone to plug in <clears throat> to help me with some of these tasks so I can step out? And the game of what you're trying to accomplish is exactly what you're talking about is how do I replace myself with the tasks that need to be done that are not essential to growing the business? And the better that you do that, the faster your business grows, the happier your clients are, the worse you are at that, the slower your progress is and the more unhappy you are. Would, would that be a fair assessment of kind of how this works in the world of business? Yeah, I, lo I love that description. And th there's there's just two additional cautions I'd put on that, which is the first is to be careful as you get into that transition mode, as you're trying to shift, about to shift the gear, is to not delegate what should not be done at all. Mm. Uh, so sometimes there's a risk. I remember talking to a, to a small business owner, uh, you know, sort of six, seven people in the, the business or something. And then for a variety of reasons, they, they, they reduced it down to a couple of people again. Uh, and their comment to me was like, what was everyone doing? Like they didn't know what value the people had been created. They were all busy doing something, but when they removed <laughs> four or five people from the equation, nothing changed. So there's a caution in that, which is be careful that you, as you, as you scale, you aren't just giving away tasks that could be just eliminated altogether. That's the first thing. And I think that the, the second cautionary tale is just to do with hiring so carefully. It's another essentialist principle, right? It's less but better. It's, it's to, to me, the principle that I came across, it sounds a bit harsh when you first hear it, but I'm not sure that it is. And it's, it's higher, slow, fire, fast. And, and so it's it's yes scale, but don't scale as a non-essentialist would scale. Oh, I've got all these people and all this stuff, and I'm just going to expand it, expand it. And that's just like the fastest way to die. Growth is one of the fastest ways to die, in my experience. Now, of course, you want growth. Of course, you want expansion. So it's all about how do you do it in a disciplined way? How do you do it in a way that's that you can be around for a long time and you aren't just part of a, a sort of a 
whiplash, uh, boom and bust approach. And I think real estate is it actually is, is especially vulnerable to this. I mean, I, I lived in Arizona in, in the time, in, you know, in 2000, uh, 2007, mm-hmm. eight, right before the, the, the well, six, five, six, seven, eight, where everybody is giving up careers to be in real estate. Everybody, everybody. <laughs> it was the weirdest <laughs> sensation. No matter how effective they already were in their careers, how competent they were, how everyone, everyone's got a, everyone's got a house here and a house there and they're flipping this and they're flipping that. And, and it was such a bubble. And so it's how to be careful that you don't, either get a victim of your own bubble that you get too big, too fast. Uh, or, or then, you know, the bigger challenges, I think it even is when the whole, whole market uh, starts to, or whole industry starts to take on a certain set of norms and you expand just because everybody else is and FOMO is driving you and fear is driving you and greed is driving you instead of what is actually the essential next thing to do. And my wife, who's a better essentialist than I am, saved me from that literally in Arizona. I was about to buy another this is a, to- a totally unnecessary house. But I just loved it. I was like, yeah, it's so great. And I got almost, I got, as it were, to the altar on that one. And then I just was like, did not feel good about it and didn't do it. And this was right before the bust. And and her feeling the whole time was like, we just don't need to do this. Just, yeah. you know, just not needed. She wasn't caught up in the furor of it all. And that's really what an essentialist can do is, is let's not worry about what everybody else is doing. I'm going to have my own strategy, the thing that makes sense, the thing that's working, and be careful and disciplined in that way. So I say disciplined expansion and growth is, uh, is the way to actually break through to the next level. You know, and it's that word you've used a couple of times that it's on the cover of the book, right? The disciplined pursuit of less. So can we talk about like, what did you mean when you, when you say discipline, uh, like why did you choose that word and what does that mean uh, in terms of essentialism? Well, I've mentioned the alternative just briefly, but the undisciplined pursuit of more is the thing that otherwise successful people, teams, and companies have to be careful of. It's that, uh, it's that success cannot be properly trusted. Or said differently, um, you know, success is a very poor teacher. Uh, it's Bill Gates who said that. And and I love that he said it, and I love that he's credible in being able to express that, 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 that you've got to not get caught up in the hype of success and opportunities because then you overextend yourself and you do too many things yeah. and you take on too much stuff and then and it starts to, to blow up. The disciplined pursuit of less is the antidote. Everybody just about uses the strategy of the disciplined pursuit of less in a calamity. Right, like eh, just about everybody in the real estate industry was an essentialist the day after the bubble burst. <laughs> right now, suddenly, oh no, no. Well, we got to be careful about where our expenditures go. We got to be careful what we invest in, and we got to be careful. And we're gonna. I mean, everybody's an involuntary essentialist when when everything's burning, when the house is burning, when the industry is burning, and so on. But that's the most expensive time to start to be an essentialist. What you want to be able to do is to do it when other people are all going crazy. Uh, and, and, and so like, I mean, give you an example, in a, in a tech example, you've got HP, uh, Hewlett Packard is um, the, one of the founders of HP said that a successful venture is more likely to die of indigestion than starvation. 
So he understood as he was building this company that he wanted to last for a hundred years. He just went, we've got to do it carefully and so on. But then those two founders left the company over, over a generation. It became for HP, the problem he had predicted is exactly the biggest problem for them. They started investing in everything. They're just going in all these different too many directions. They came out, for example, at one time with a, a touchscreen interface laptop, basically. It was really beautiful. It was done really well. It was designed really well. Everything about it was great. But the problem is, is that that product came and went. And even to this day, people in HP don't all know that it existed. Like, so you launch a major product or at least something that could be really big in the marketplace and people inside your own company don't even know you launched it. That, yeah. that is a fundamental example of like indigestion rather than starvation. You just did too many things. And, and that's just one illustration. And I'm contrasting that now to Apple that has shown a much more disciplined pursuit of decision-making. Uh, and and one of the really clever stories, uh, insightful stories about the their culture and mode of decision-making is that they were working on the iPad. So the equivalent product is the one I just mentioned at HP. Uh, and as they were working on it, they're making lots of progress. They've put lots of energy into it. And then they decide, hold on, really, there's a phone market. And now we've got the phone market and we've got this iPad possibility or not product, not, not markets, just products. And what they did is they didn't do what I think most companies would do with the resources that they had. Well, we'll just do both. They paused on one and they said, okay, we're not going to do the iPad. We're going to do the iPhone. If we do the iPhone first, maybe we'll end up with both markets. If we try to do both at the same time, we may lose both. And so at a very similar time as HP comes out and loses this product, Apple's choosing not to do it yet, do the iPhone, and then later got the iPad, the iPad market. That's a case study contrast in what it is to be undisciplined in your decision-making. Well, I'll just do both. I'll do everything. And a disciplined pursuit where you're saying, which is the trade-off I need to make in order to get to the results I really want down the road? Mm. So this is this is really good and really applicable to a lot of people listening to this show right now who, you know, again, our audience is largely real estate investors, right? They want or they want to invest in real estate. They want to be that guy back in 08 that can quit their job and, you know, flip houses or whatever, buy rental properties, whatever. But the problem is, and this applies to every business, is in the beginning, people don't know what that line is, right? They don't know what yeah. the they don't know that you know, the iPhone is better to pursue than the iPad necessarily because they're not established yet. So how do you recommend or how do you balance the idea of when you're just beginning something, the idea of being open to lots of things versus being focused? How do you balance that? Yeah. So, so I think, I think this is, this is what I would say in the early days of any venture. So, so there are these three principles I've mentioned, but let me mention them again, explore yep. what's essential, eliminate what's not and execute by making it as easy as possible. So, I think in the early stage of any venture, you, you just flip the order. You explore, execute, eliminate. So your exploring is, is like you're setting a hypothesis. You're saying, well, what, what could be the essential way? And, and I think the primary way you do that is actually by just asking people, learning from people, and be admitting as fast as you can your ignorance. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not pretending you know anything. Just telling people, I, I know nothing about this. Can you tell me everything that you know about this? Can you assume I know nothing and go and just keep on being in that state? So you're, you're accelerated, you're learning. Then you are quickly executing. You're going to try something out. Yeah. Small bet, 
fast, then you eliminate also fast. So you're, you're making the cycle small as possible in the early stages. You're reversing that order, as I just mentioned, and you're just in this rapid learning process. Uh, I, I, this isn't real estate, but, and, and, and obviously it is different in kind, but, but I, I've, I've like spent a day skiing in my life and I just decided, okay, I'm going to set up a ski trip for our family. Um, and we're going to, we're going to do some learning. We're going to do this. And so I've been on the phone over the last week talking to different people that every person I talk to, I just give that speech to them, right? I know nothing. Everything you know and everything you think I know, I don't know. So just tell me everything. And if I hadn't done that, my learning would have been so much slower. I would have learned the hard, expensive way. I'd have, I'd have bought the, 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 the ski passes directly instead of getting the icon passes, which I didn't even, I didn't know about that. Anyone who knows anything about skiing knows about this, but I didn't. And so you just got to keep on admitting your ignorance so that you can learn really quickly. If you pretend to know, and act upon that pretension, you're going to make expensive mistakes. And maybe you just kill your whole opportunity. So, so that's, my, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, admitting your ignorance. I really like that. That's, a, that's one of those quotes that uh, like, I want to like blow up on a sign and put on my wall. Like Just to remind myself, like, oh, even like, hey, I'm successful in a lot of areas right now. Like, but there's a whole lot of areas I'm not successful in. And even the ones that I think I'm successful at, it's only because I'm comparing myself to somebody who's not as successful, not as far down the path. So in reality, the more we can do that, right? The more we uh, have that attitude. I just had, um, I've got to know Ariana Huffington over a period of time. And, and we were, we, we, she was one of the first people I had on the, uh, on the What's Essential podcast. Um, and, and it was still in the midst of COVID. So I definitely did not know anything about podcasting. I partnered with a company wheelhouse to do this. And then suddenly COVID happens and, I mean, I'm literally using the worst equipment, nothing. I know nothing about this. It's definitely like a, a starting from scratch thing. And when I called her to record her that day, she just admitted ignorance instantly because she was also in a similar situation, even though she has like a successful podcast and, and so on. She was not used to doing any of that from home. And so she just was like, oh, hey, listen, I'll just learn from the best, which of course wasn't me. But the fact that she says it that way implies something really positive that she's not, she's not going to pretend to know something that she doesn't know. You just ask, the, ask yeah. the obvious question, ask the dumb question, ask, just keep asking. It's, 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 you can learn, you can, I, I think you can 10x your learning speed, your capacity, not by being more intelligent, but by being more honest about your ignorance. Yeah, it's really good. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm gonna let you jump in, David. I've been hogging the uh, hogging the mic here for too long. So one thing I, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm realizing that a huge piece of doing this successfully has to do with maybe having the courage to say no. And I, and I always think about, well, what would make that hard? And I'm sure that there's some psychological traits where if maybe you were in a situation in life where you did not have a lot of opportunity, let's say you grew up without any food gluttony would be a much bigger struggle for you once you get around there's food everywhere because you're in this scarcity mindset of if I don't eat it now maybe it won't be there tomorrow and like you mentioned that the problem becomes indigestion not starvation so having studied this do you have any advice for people who maybe struggle with fear of missing out or FOMO and it's extra hard for them to say no I will not take that opportunity because I have faith that if I say no to the wrong things the right thing will come oh yeah I mean this this two things that you make me think of the first is just you, if you, every time you mention FOMO now anytime anyone says that to me I, I just had Patrick McGinnis on the show and he's the person who came up with the term FOMO 
so that's like a pretty good mic drop moment right there yeah. anyway, right? He's the first person to publish that term online and now it's in the dictionary. Uh, but, but he, he, I mean, he had some really great insight about, about FOMO and also a similar thing, which is uh, FOBO, which is, you know, the fear of better options where you're always looking for something that could be better than one you have. And you're worried that somebody else has that option. And so you just in this endless unhappiness cycle, uh, because, because something better exists in, in, you know, in the, in the, the world and it probably does, but you don't want to have to spend your whole life in indecision or in, or in, you know, chasing everything. Right. So anyway, that's sort of my FOMO thing. Uh, your question is more subtle though, if I understood it right, which is just, if somebody, if somebody knows hunger, if somebody, and, and, and that literal hunger, I think you said, specifically said, but also just other kinds of hunger where you're just, there wasn't money growing up. Uh, other people seem to be able to go off and do things. Other people could have, new shoes, new cool in England trainers yeah. that creates a hunger in you. Uh-huh. And, and I know that hunger. So I, I know, you know, what you're talking about. And I think it's a really positive thing in that it gets you up. I mean, I started my first business when I was 10 years old, washing cars. Cause I want, I did, cause I was hungry that I did not want to not be able to get those things or do things that I wanted to try and do or go to where I wanted to try to go to. So it's a very positive trait, helpful, but it makes a good servant and not a, and like a poor master. Yes. It, it outlives its usefulness. You've got to have something else to guide you. Now, I was talking to Steve Harvey about this because he read Essentialism and he just he blogged about it. That's how I even know about it, that it changed his life, which I thought was great. And we talked in a, f- a few times about this, but one of the things he told me is that he hadn't taken a break. He hadn't taken a summer off since he was 16 years old. And he was 60 when he, when he was telling me this story. Not one summer off. He just, just worked the whole time, flat out, nonstop. And that's how he came to essentialism. As somebody said to him, you, you know, like you're the busiest person I've ever met. You, you've got to do something different. And they got their assistant to go buy that book over lunch, give it to him before the end of the day. And he read it that night. And, and that's what he was doing. He's running, you know, that hunger. You've got to have it serve you. And so I'm trying to think really about how do you get out of it? I'm trying to work out whether I'm out of it. <laughs> well, that's exactly why I asked the question, because as you're talking, I'm thinking, man, he is talking, he is speaking to the challenge of my life right now, Yeah, which is how can I get better at saying no so that I can focus on what my businesses really need or what my life really needs. But there's always an obstacle. There's a guilt. I feel that if I tell this person, no, that I'm a bad person because I, I didn't, you know, that was my friend from when I was in sixth yeah. grade. Yeah. They're not really serving me now. They're not essential, but it, it feels wrong at times. Or, you know, when I was a, a kid, I didn't really feel like anyone was paying a whole lot of attention to what I was doing. I was just desperate for some older man to see me and say, I see something in that kid. I'm going to take him under my wing. And no one did. Yep. I never felt like I really got opportunity. So when I got into a position as a man where there was so much opportunity that I couldn't say yes to all of it. I was always fighting this internal struggle to think, oh, if I don't say yes, it might not be there tomorrow. But 
the catch 22 is that that then prohibits me from actually being successful because I'm trying to download 12 movies on my laptop at the same time and none of them are getting done. So I find myself resonating so strongly with what you're recommending. And I was wondering if in your experience studying this, if you've come across certain traits or a way of looking at it that helps somebody who's in my position where they think I'm hungry, I have to get it all. But that hunger is also then becoming an obstacle to their success. Yeah. You know, something that occurs to me is that really you might be able to hold on to the, to the drive and the hunger, but it's changing the mindset. Yeah. The non-essentialist believes that almost everything is essential. And so that the answer to meeting that hunger Mm. is eating more, right? It's saying yes to everything. It's, you know, they're, they're trying to satiate a hunger through a strategy because they see it a certain way. And I think the essentialist is just a higher level mindset where you realize not everything is of equal value. In fact, the, it's incredibly disproportionate that a few things are incredibly yeah. valuable and essential, and most of the other stuff is non-essential. I mean, I see it like almost opposite to how a non-essentialist sees it. A non-essentialist thinks everything is essential and essentialist thinks almost everything is (laughs) non-essential. And so as you start to adopt that mindset, keep the hunger, but apply a new mindset, a new strategy, what are the few things that are really going to help me make the highest contribution in my business, but also I sense in you, in your just general sense of life, mission to make a difference to people. You've got to be selective. You have, you have to make trade-offs. And here's why, because you can't not make trade-offs. So when I say you have to make trade-offs, all I'm saying is be conscious yourself and intentional about it, because otherwise other people will make the trade-offs for you. Other circumstances yeah. will make it for you. And by other people, I don't mean your sixth grade friend, although that could be true. I mean, some Superpowered executive team in Silicon Valley who is hijacking your day 20 times a day with notifications on your phone to get you to be on that social media platform or on ESPN or whatever the you know the device you know, the, the the app of choice is. I mean, these people are spending hundreds of billions of dollars collectively to hijack your day. So we don't have to go to the highest guilt trade-off first. There's lower hanging fruit than that. Uh, and, and, and we can start with like, what are the non-essential stuff in my life that I know I'm over-investing in? That's really good. I start there. Like what comes to mind when you say that now, David, we're going, going deep now. TikTok. Dave, oh yeah. Brandon, you're saying TikTok. Is that true for you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I have to uninstall it from my phone and then I'll like a week later, I'll reinstall it cause I'm bored. And then I have to, I have to uninstall it cause it just, it kills me. <laughs> It sucks me in. I don't. I don't make videos. I just like it sucks you in. You're right. Of course, it's addictive. Of course, yeah. it's, it's very addicting. That and and TikTok has been built upon mm-hmm. the learned addictiveness of the other platforms that came before them. So they're just smarter addiction than the one before. Agreed. Uh, and and so and it's going to be like this for here on out because yeah. it, it, the, the the learning capacity of of AI is so much more advanced than our learning capacity that we are going to have not just addictions in our lives like with always has been. I mean, some, these are personalized addictions. These are exactly what, if you go on YouTube, because it's learning from the last thing you went, it just serves you up yep. more and more of exactly what it is you're yeah. into right now. 
So, so I think this is why it's become so urgent to take responsibility for prioritization. It's like, I got to take control. I got to take back control of my life. You know, two quick thoughts come to mind. First of all, um, you said earlier about prior prioritization. And I, and I remember having that circled in the book as well. If you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will prioritize it for you. Uh, so one thing that I do just, and maybe I got this from your book, maybe I've been doing it longer than that. I'm not sure. But I every time somebody asks me to do a commitment now of some kind, there's two things I do. One, I know I took from the book, which is the buffer zone, adding the buffer to, you know, in between. But the second thing I do is I always, I actually phrase it like this. If I say yes to that, it's going to be robbing time from my wife and my two kids. I like literally in my head, I say that like I love doing the podcast. I love doing other people's podcasts. I do. But I have compl- I've dramatically slowed down because if I'm out here doing a pod right now, like you two are robbing time from my kids and you know, my my wife. Right. And now that's OK. We make that trade off. But I made that trade off. I didn't let somebody else make the trade off for me. So that's just one little, I guess, thing that I do. And when I say uh, the buffer zone. I just mean like I I add in space in between me saying yes to stuff. I add in space between committing to things. I just try to add that that zone in there so I'm not sucked into the moment. Uh, but anything you want to add on those two things? Well, I, I I like what you're doing because you're you're restoring reality to your mindset, right? When we have limited mindsets, when we think we can say yes to something without having an impact, without saying no to something else, we're just in a great big con. We we yeah. bought into we, we've been mm-hmm. conned, we've been sold a bill of goods and we're buying it. And non-essentialism only has one real defect, and that it's a that's that it's a lie. The idea that you can do everything for everyone at all times and then be that will lead to success. <laughs> everything about it is not right. Yeah. Everything about that equation isn't valid. You cannot do everything for everyone. And so your attempt to do it will not produce the outcome. It's promising. It will not live up to what's promised on the packaging. So you saying to yourself when the request comes in, and, and I want to, again, emphasize, it's not just when the request comes in, but when the TikTok comes in, yep. you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. you know, when somebody emails you, okay, that's one thing. Oh, can you help me with something? Okay. But then there's the, when the TikTok notification comes in, use that same sentence in that situation. Yeah. If I watch TikTok, I am taking time away from my wife and children because that's exactly what's happening. And so I, I really try to encourage people to do, and we could do it right now if you're interested. Do you want to do a little, little intervention? Sure. Should we do a live intervention? Let's, let's do it right now. Okay, so, I, so here we go. So Brandon, I want you to tell me what is something that's essential for you right now, highly important that you're under-investing in. First thought, go. You've already had it. Okay. I was going to say my daughter is ballet. I was going to say I should be Good. more involved with her. Okay. And, and why does it matter to you so much? Mm, because I will never get that time back and I'll regret that. Yeah. Why, why, why will you regret it? Mm, I will regret it because I mean, at the end of my life, when I look back, I'm never going to, I don't know if this answers the question, but I'm never going to say, I wish I would have worked more. I'm never going to say, I wish I would have even surfed more or walked more. I'm going to say, I wish I would have spent more time with my family because that's number one. You, you, you're worried that at the end of your life, this will be like actual life regret if you don't yes. spend this time now with your daughter. Yeah. Why? Why will that be something that, that you would regret in that moment? I would say because I value, 
I value being a good father above almost everything else in my life. Like that mm-hmm. is that that's like value number one. It's it's really close to your highest value. Yeah. It's it's up there in your very top tier of what matters. Why is it so important? Why is it one of your top values? Mm. I mean, it, it, part of it is because when I was a kid, I suppose you could say because my my dad's awesome, but my dad worked a lot of hours. And so I, I like one of the biggest things I longed for as a kid was for my dad to be around more, but he just worked 80 hours a week. And uh, so I guess I think I don't want to be that way with my kids. And so therefore, that's my value. The absence of that for you left some pain for you. Yeah. Yeah. What would success look like for you in this area? With When you say ballet, what does it mean? Is it, are you talking about talking once a day with her, asking how it's going, checking in once a week? Is it going to something with her? Like what would the adjustment be concretely? Yeah, I'd say it's probably going with her more often. I mean, I maybe once every other month now going with her. Okay. So you're you're at once every other month. What would it, what would success be for you? Uh, I don't mean perfect. Just what's, what's solid progress for you? Every other month, probably. I'm sorry. Every other, every other week every other week, right? So you're doing it once every other month. You're doing it once every like eight weeks. You want to be doing it every two weeks. How long does it take when you, when you go? An hour. So you're, you're looking for an additional three hours. Yeah. Over a, over, over a two month period, right? Yeah. yeah. You're looking for three more hours every, over every two months. Correct. Three more hours every two weeks to do it. Okay. Tell me, non-essential stuff that you're over-investing in. You mentioned TikTok right off the bat before. How, how much time are you spending doing TikTok? <laughs> uh, the clock is Yeah, I don't want to say that much. Uh, yeah, nobody, nobody, yeah. including Couple. you, believes that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll go like a week without it at all because I'll uninstall it. And yeah, then I'll be like anybody 20 who's minutes un- a day. Anyone who's uninstalling an app from their phone yes. Yes. has uh, a problem. Let's go, let's go 30 minutes a day. So that's three to four hours a week where I'm probably aimlessly scrolling either TikTok or Instagram. Could it be more than 30 minutes a day? I don't, it could, it could be, but I, I don't think so. I'm probably afraid to look on my phone. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, there is a way to tell. <laughs> but don't, way don't, to tell. don't worry, I don't, I don't need to. Okay, I could pull it up, but you know. All right, I go on, then pull I, it up. You just offered it now. Say, now let's pull it all up. Right. Let's pull it up right now. All right, hold on, pulling it up. <laughs> all right so screen time let's go last week we'll go last week because i think it was on there the whole week daily average for my whole phone my daily average is only two hours and 16 minutes which is about the lowest it's been in a while oh but last week was much higher uh, all right okay it wasn't it wasn't terrible it wasn't terrible last week total time on tiktok was an hour and two minutes total so that's not terrible for last week Instagram was three hours and 21 minutes. So maybe I'm uh, misjudging what I'm spending my time doing. Okay. So, so there we, there we have four hours. Yep. But actually you're only looking for, you're only looking for an hour. Is there any, what is the benefit? Like when you look at those two things, do you find yourself going, you know, but I I like TikTok. It's, it's good for me. It de-stresses me. So I do want a bit of that in my life. No, it actually makes me, it makes me angry. (laughs) Most of the time, most of the time it makes you, I get irritated after, after Instagram the same way. 
uh, especially with like a lot of the the last few months of politics. It's been a. Uh, so you're telling me a, that not, not only is it unimportant, it is it's actually negative. Yeah, yeah. So you could find if we could find a way to make a trade off between Instagram, TikTok, you would have found. I mean, vastly more time than you need to be able to make this time dramatically time more. Yeah, dramatically. Is it a trade-off that you would like to make? Or inside are you like, you know what, Greg? I, I want my vices. I just want this. <laughs> no, it is a trade-off I am very happy to make. So, so that's like step one and two. We haven't got to step three yet. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Step one is what's essential that you're under-investing yeah. in. Step two is what's essential, non-essential you're over-investing in. So that's the explore and the eliminate, right? Now we know what the changes we want to make. So you move into execution. And what people normally do when they come to execution, when they normally think of the word discipline, they're thinking, make a decision and force it yeah. and, uh, and do this. I'm going to do this. Willpower. Willpower. And, and, and I do believe in the power of decision making. I mean, you can make a choice. I am confident yeah. that you could make a choice to go, I'm, I'm off this and I'm never going on TikTok again. People can make those choices. So I'm not trying to diminish that to zero. But what I think is also important is, is, is stacking the decks in your favor. Because as we mentioned before, right, TikTok and Instagram are literally have hundreds of people, thousands of people now who are targeting systems that target you yep. personally, uniquely. And they are coming after you all the time and in every possible way that they can come up with through other social pressure, other people mentioned it. Oh, yeah, I've been on TikTok. Did you see this thing? And now you're pulled back into it. Now you're curious again. Now you get sucked in. So they are creating huge webs to try and pull you in. So that's the current system. Now we want to try to at least create some system to, to weigh it back in your favor. So I'm going to put this over to David for a second. So David, what can Brandon do to make this easy or at least easier to make the trade-off we've just described? I think he could make a rule that he only looks at TikTok if he's with his family. So maybe Rosie or Wilder has to be with him when he's looking at it. And as long as their attention is there, he can do it. But when they get bored with it, he's going to naturally put it away and go do something else. Okay. Uh, he could also schedule some time in his day for that, like whatever you want to do to recharge your brain. I thought you made a really good point, Greg, that there sometimes is some value to what we may call mindless scrolling or whatever, because it's like a recharge. You can't just focus on business all the time. You can't just lift weights all day. You have to regroup. And sometimes after I just watch YouTube for two hours, I'm in a much better mood and I'm way more likely to go on the forum at bigger pockets and communicate with people because I'm happy and I'm charged up. So he could look at, if I do this, it's for the purpose of, kind of de-stressing so I can be a better, more present parent to the things that matter more and only using it for that purpose. Well, well what about this? Let's, let's go, let's go a little more extreme with you, Brandon. What, what if you just give the password to, uh, to David? <laughs> the password to open up uh, different apps. Like yeah, put on t- app TikTok, yeah. TikTok and Instagram. And only he has the, uh, only he has the password. I could definitely do that. If, 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 if this is literally based on experience with somebody that I was coaching who had, uh, who had, I mean, you based the way you said that you were like, no way I'm going to do that. 
Um, the, the body language and tone did not support an action. But I worked with somebody who was, I like who, the idea. who was on Instagram 14 to 18 hours a week. And so he had a part-time job being on Instagram, just scrolling, yeah. you know, this, uh, this, this doom, doom scrolling. And, and so, and so what he did is he gave, he, he gave his uh, password to someone else and all through the week, he couldn't access it. He could only access it, I think maybe on the weekends or something like that. Yeah. And, and maybe that's how it would be for you. So you're already self-policing it right now, but maybe you just go, I, I am, these are, these tools are too powerful for me. Yeah. I don't want to use up my precious discipline managing this and having this battle. I'm just going to give it to somebody else. So they, they are managing this for me. They just take care of it. It's gone. I don't have to think about it anymore. Brandon, are you up for the challenge? I'm up for the challenge. Would you give it up for, would you give it up for two months? Uh, up entirely or up for like unscheduled time? Yeah, that was amazing. Brandon, you, the, 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 fear, the, that? Fear, <laughs> the fear of God in you as you said that. You're like, hold on, man. Hold on. What are we really committing to here? <laughs> He's um, going to start talking like Gollum from Lord of the Rings yeah. in a minute yeah. now. <laughs> my, my precious. <laughs> my precious. TikTok, I would say, yes, I could give that up for two months. No problem. Instagram would be much more difficult to give up. Mainly because okay, yeah, we're going to start with TikTok because that. that was the one that you, uh, all you right, first yeah, mentioned. We'll Even though your commitment to Instagram is much greater, I can tell it the is. hours and hours are all, all there and the addiction's higher. But still, yeah. we're going to start with TikTok because you're only looking for three hours extra in a two month period. Yeah. If you give up TikTok and you you reclaim the time to be able to spend it doing this with your daughter, now that's not the end thing. So, are you willing to give your password up to TikTok to David for two months? Yes. Okay, so we are, we're way closer to your goal now. David is going to be your accountability partner. He's going to help keep you to this. Everybody <laughs> listening to this, of course, you, 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 you've got lots of social pressure on your side. <laughs> you have positive peer pressure. And that's exactly what you want because you want that to help you live by your values. When you get to the end of your life, you are going to be glad that you had social pressure helping you to do what you say to me is essential. So, uh, okay, what else can you do? Now, that got you sort of the time rebate, but that's not getting you the action to become effortless. We want this to be as easy as possible for you to actually fulfill your commitment to your daughter that you're making here. Yeah. So what can you do to make it so that you will not break this commitment? I mean, I live by my calendar. So if it's on my calendar, I, I do it. Like I'm a, I'm a slave to my calendar. Um, so you can put it so on the calendar. I can put it on the calendar. Yeah. Okay. That's one that's that's another step. Maybe. What else can you do? I mean, I'll tell you one thing you could do. Yeah. You can you can talk to wife, yes. Yep, wife, wife, yes. Heather. You can talk to your wife, Heather, and you can you can tell her about this this deal yep. that you're making. Yeah. How would you how how would you explain that? <laughs> uh I would tell Heather uh just that, hey, I want to help. I I'm I mean exactly what we just talked through. Uh that I realize put like, it into put it into your own words. Yeah. Kids and family is number one priority. And I have not been living my values the way that I want to and the way that's going to make me feel the best. So I'm going to be attending ballet at least every other week, if not every week with Rosie from now on. Yeah. Do you think your wife's going to forget you mentioning that? 
She will not forget that. <laughs> she will not forget. Me. You say that once and that that's going yep. to be another really important accountability partner to help uh-huh. you fulfill that. And and I suspect, I assuming that she's the one that's going. She is. The other, she will, more she of the will, time. She will have to trade off with me every other week. She will, she will trade want. off with you every other yep. week and she'll be happy for that. And and yeah. and even though the first time you do it, you might be like, oh, yeah. doggone it, Greg, essentialism. <laughs> Where's my TikTok? Uh, you know, I, I I think it's the kind of thing that as soon as you start doing it, you go, yeah, I'm where I, I want to be here. I want the advantage of being here. And essentialists embrace and love trade-offs yeah. because it allows them to have strategic advantage. It means that you can have the benefits of all that ongoing relationship with your daughter that will build and build and build. Uh, and, and as someone who's just, I mean, my, my youngest is 11. I have four children. So now sort of basically all teenagers. There's not one day I regret now, even now, so not end of life, having made specific, deliberate, intentional trade-offs, which I, I know you've made. I can tell you've made already. But watching them now, you know, we're like really good friends, all of us. We really enjoy being together. We, we, we have deep relationship when travel was a thing, you know, back in the old days. Yeah. Uh, about 80% of the time I'd travel with one of my children. And we just have these amazing memories traveling all over the world together. And, and we didn't have to do that. But those investments have just created this goodness that I think would have made it be so much harder if we hadn't done it. Okay. So still one more test for you here. So, yeah. or, you know, to help make the system work for you is I'm going to suggest a hundred dollar challenge, uh, which is that you put a hundred dollar bill up on the fridge or up where in your office, wherever, wherever it is that's helpful, but somewhere public. And that hundred dollars, you got to decide what to do with it. If, but it's, it's there if you don't fulfill the commitment. So if at the end of two months you haven't gone, you know, four yeah. times, then that hundred dollars will be either. Um, these are some of the things I know of people that have, have have done this. You could, and this is awful, but you could just rip it up. That could be your thing. Yeah. If you don't do it, you have to rip up a hundred dollar bill, throw it away, right? That's just like so offensive <laughs> to people. That's why it's helpful. <laughs> yep. Or you could say, okay, I'm going to give it to... You know, some people say, okay, I'm going to give it to the political party I don't yep. subscribe to. So they give it to some other cause or just even give it away to some other thing. But either way, it sits there, it exists there as a perpetual reminder of the commitment that you're collectively making. Thoughts on that? You want to take the $100 challenge? Here's, here's what I'm going to do, Greg. I'm going to send you $100 because I really don't want to send you $100. If oh, I go, that's what yeah. I should do yep. from now yep. on. From now on, you could make a lot from of money. From now this way. on, yep. <laughs> I'm going to have the $100 challenge become to me. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> so actually, there's, there's an app There's an app out there. I think it's called Stick, S T I K K, right? Yeah. And you, it's, yeah, you take the money and like they hold it for you. And then you have an accountability partner. I did that a couple of years ago and it worked. I, I lost like 20 pounds. It was a, it was a challenge with <laughs> a buddy you, of mine. I thought you were going to be, I lost $20 no, just no, like that. No. <laughs> no, we put like a thousand bucks up on uh, me and this buddy uh, about who could lose. Like, it had, I don't know, maybe it was 20, 15 pounds, something like that. This is yeah, several years ago now, but yeah, it worked. Yeah. We both lost the weight we wanted, both got our money back and didn't have to go send it to whoever it was at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so I love cool. that. I love that you had experience with it. That, that's the process we've just gone through explore, eliminate, execute. It doesn't have to be that you start with the hardest trade-offs. The hardest yeah. trade-offs are the ones where you're choosing for something really essential and something else that's important or something else that's somewhat important. I mean, that's more painful, but if you start with the total trivia, 
the non-essential, the bottom 10% of stuff on the one hand and the top 10% on the other, yeah. you have like no-brainer trade-offs. And that's essentialism like 101. That's a place to start. That's cool. And, and so you're saying no to the stuff that just doesn't, shouldn't even be in your life at all. And, and so that, that's, that's what we just did. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I'd not thought about it from that perspective because I mean, even just like the, yesterday, I had a long conversation with one of my buddies about how I really want to launch another podcast. I've got another podcast idea. I want to launch another show, but I'm already doing two a week of this one. And I'm like, oh man, a third podcast. That's another hour a week. I was like, I just don't have time for another hour a week. But the truth is what we just talked about, like what's more essential, an hour of TikTok or launching another podcast that'll reach another quarter million people a week? Like now that sounds like a pretty stupid thing to say. I don't have time for another podcast. So, well, and, and just, and just building on that, right. You say, um, Instagram, yeah. which one is more valuable to you? Now you may again, have some value on Instagram. I get yeah. that there could be things that you're learning from there, from your audience. You could be learning from other people, but people know when they're past yeah. the point of usefulness, yeah. where they're past the point of this actually added value. And I think that happens pretty fast. <laughs> you, you know, like yeah. I think if you're, if you're past sort of five minutes, you're probably past the point of yep. real value addition. And so maybe that's where you can get the time you need to be able to do this second podcast. Well, it's funny. It's funny. If I were to use it, you know, my argument, my head wants to go to is, well, I use, I use Instagram for work. You know, I, I reach a lot of people that way. It's good for me, but I, I'm reminded of Tim Ferriss, you know, Tim Ferriss for our work week. He has a section in for our work week where he says, if there was a gun to your head and you could only work four hours a week, what would you get done? And I like that question. Cause it's kind of an essentialist type of question, right? It's like, what are the essential things? It kind of helps you prioritize. But when I think about like, if, okay, fine. If Instagram is important for my life and for my business, and I raise a lot of money for my real estate fund on Instagram, Great. If I had five minutes a day for Instagram, what do I got to do? And that's a much easier question. Like, I mean, actually, oh, oh, I guess I would post something. I'd probably comment on a number of people's stuff. I'd check if anything important came in the DMs and then I'd log off. I could do that in five minutes. I don't need 30 minutes a day. Or you'd get somebody else managing it. Or I'd get somebody else to manage it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Somebody else can manage it. And if you just use just one of the the, the social media platforms, uh, you know, the, the management systems, you yeah. never have to go on there and scroll pointlessly. Yeah. You can still post. You can still respond. Uh, I mean, the system I use, you can still write in yep. response to people on there and never have to get dragged into yeah. the, the the pool of distraction that, that that exists on there. Or you can just never do the second podcast. Yeah. Yeah. If that's not. Right. That's or not, yeah. you can not see your kids and family. Like yeah. my point <laughs> is you can you can continue to make the trade-off you, you're making. That's yeah. great. If that works for you, and this is what I always say, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm picking on you and I'm, I'm not, I'm just saying just like in it. general, if non-essentialism is working for people, by all means, continue with it. You know, if people are happy with the way they're spending their time and energy, if they feel like their life is in its current system, is producing great relationships with the people who matter most, that's producing great overall mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health, and it's helping them to make a great contribution out there. And even in a way that's increasing over time, the positivity they make out into the world, keep doing it. Yeah. But on the basis that non-essentialism doesn't deliver what it promises, on the basis that it actually just intru- introduces waste of time that actually stresses us out. Well, let's consider an alternative path, an alternative <laughs> strategy. 
That's like perfect timing. That was good timing. My my daughter Rosie just walked in. Hey, babe. You, well, you, on that note, no, you should explain to Rosie right now what you're gonna do. <laughs> oh, hey, Rosie. Guess who's gonna start coming to ballet with you more often? Who? Uncle David? Oh, me. Okay, she whispers. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start coming to ballet with you more often. Okay. Is that exciting? Yeah, you like that. All right. Well, I'm gonna make a trade off right now. We're gonna kick you out of here, Greg, and uh, and I'm gonna go play with my little girl for a little while. Greg, where can people find out more about you? Uh, I think that if they just go to essentialism.com, that's also a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, they'll be able to sign up for the One Minute Wednesday, which is a newsletter that I just started. Uh, they can read it in one minute each one week. Minute. Uh, so it's it just nice and nice and concise, less but better. Uh, but also what is coming there are a few really cool things, a new paperback of, of essentialism that people will learn about, a new academy that I'm going to be launching uh, all of that will start at the hub of essentialism.com. So, so that's the one place if you're going to go somewhere. That's awesome, man. Really, really appreciate it. It's been phenomenal. I knew it was going to be phenomenal, but it was even better than I thought. So really appreciate you coming on the show. David, anything you want to close with? I just want to thank you, Greg, for such a great interview. I mean, you not only shared the concept with us, but then you applied it to specifically something our listeners could benefit from. And then to get into Brandon's world, that's an awesome example that everyone can <laughs> take and say, like, how do I do this? myself and uh brandon thank you too for being so uh transparent <laughs> with everything we also did not plan for rosie to show up like this that no is no perfect timing though <laughs> too it's, it's good awesome. awesome it's awesome thank you everybody yeah thank you greg all right greg thank you very much and that was our show with greg mckeon awesome awesome episode i knew it was gonna be good i've heard him on a few other podcasts over the years and yeah this was this was the best i mean this was the best i've heard him like <laughs> it was awesome of course it's the best you know it's us it's bigger that's pockets. right the bigger be good. best. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as he started talking, it just felt like everything he was saying was so applicable to my life. I knew this was yeah. going to be a really good episode. I'm hoping that everybody else that heard it felt the same way. Well, let me ask you, how, how have you applied essentialism? How have you, how have you struggled? I don't want to say failed. How have you struggled with essentialism? Uh, we'll start with those two questions. All right. So in my real estate investing business, I had a lot more success with this. And I don't know for sure, but my assumption would be because I was investing long distance, it was much easier to get other people to do the non-essential parts that went into real estate investing. So I was never tempted to go fix the toilet or change the lock myself. I wasn't tempted to go walk the property and rely on my gut. I turned everything into a system and found a person to do it because I literally wasn't present. So I think it kind of gave me an advantage into systemizing things. And my business grew because I just focused on finding the deals, putting them in contract and letting everyone else do the follow-up, which was the essential part to being a real estate investor. Where I've struggled with this is in my real estate agent business. There's so many different things I could be doing every day. And I'm always tempted to jump in and bail out team members who are afraid to step forward or answer questions for clients that if I was, if I just gave it a day, they probably get the answer that they needed and they calm down. But it's so tempting when you see people that are highly emotional or scared that you want to go provide comfort to them. And I end up running around all day long, focusing on putting out little tiny fires where what I should be doing is looking for my next hire that will come in that will be the person that puts those fires out for me. 
or the yeah. next person that will be able to do the job the way that David does so that I can serve a more essential purpose or a higher purpose of helping more people become a homeowner, helping more people save money through real estate, training 10, 20, 30 of me to, to make a bigger impact than just me doing it. So when he started speaking about essentialism, I realized this is my every day when I get out of bed, I'm going to work and I'm praying help me to do this better. And then I'm failing in different ways throughout the day as I don't. And it just, it was so, so applicable to what I'm going through. And I realized what I did with my real estate investing, I did this well. With my real estate agent business, I have not done this well. And when I look at the difference between my experience and those two things, it's wildly different. Yeah. It's really good, man. You know, a lot of times we talk to real estate investors, up and coming ones, people who want to get into real estate and they say they don't have time for it. I hope that more than anything else for you guys that are listening to the show right now, that 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 practice that I went through at the end there with talking about TikTok and, you know, my daughter's ballet. I hope that you realize like that applies to you as well, I'm sure in some ways. Is everything's a trade-off. Real estate investing does not take 40 hours a week. It doesn't take 30, it doesn't take 20. It takes a few. Like if you work two hours a week on your real estate, you could start buying real estate like now. It doesn't take that much work. If you are focused on the essential stuff, get a good real estate agent to hook you up with some leads that come in and then you just go and run the numbers on them. It takes like 10 minutes to run the numbers. That's an essential task. Uh, maybe like having a sit down meeting with a local real estate investor. That's a pretty essential task. Do that. But like, there's not that much involved here. Like go call up a bank, get pre-approved, submit some paperwork. Uh, that kind of stuff doesn't take much time. So if you continually identify what is the essential task that I have to do next, I call it the most important next step. Always identify what that is in your real estate ambitions. And you're going to make dramatic and very quick strides towards your goals if you just start thinking like an essentialist instead of like a non-essentialist. So I hope that's what you take away from this show and hopefully more. And of course, uh, head to the show notes if you want to leave us some comments or questions. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, you can put the comments in the YouTube uh, section below that. But uh, Man, good stuff. Anything you want to leave us with, David? Uh, just make sure you take time to think because information like this yeah. can, it can trick you into thinking that you benefited from it. Just hearing it be like, whoa, that's really good. Yeah. But then if you don't, don't do anything to apply yep. it, it didn't help you. So don't- It's like conferences, right? You go to a conference and you're like, oh, there's so much good stuff. And you go home, and you don't do anything. Yes. Yeah. But you, you were tricked into thinking that something good happened because you learned something new. So just don't yeah. fall prey to that temptation. Take some time to think about what you need to get out of your life. Take some time to think about what is essential. Calendar it. Tell somebody about it. Find some form of accountability because these goals are not going to meet themselves. You're going to have to do something to get there and it's totally worth it when you do. That's all I'd say. Awesome, man. Well, keep it up. Keep being an essentialist and uh, look forward to having you back on the show again next week, David. Thanks, B. I appreciate it, man. And also, thank you for having the guts to just open up your whole life and let this guy pick it apart. That That's a lot harder to do in front of 300,000 people in one <laughs> than, than the audience might think. So thanks for yeah. being a brave thanks. man. Thanks. That's why they call me Brandon the Brave. <laughs> well, now they're going to be calling you Brandon No TikTok Turner for David Green signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online.
The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.